Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, I'm back with two wonderful folks this time. We have Michael Babcock. Hello, everyone. And we have Jason Castingway back with us. Or is this your first time on the show, Jason? This is my first time on. No, it isn't. I was on previously with the uh, Apple HomePod. You were on the uh-huh. unboxing, but this is your first time on the IA Cast. So, yeah, ah, yes. brand new. So, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, we're we're glad to have you, and um, I think we have a pretty interesting show today, and I'm really glad to have you here to get your your thoughts on on our topic today. Um, so it's it's going to be very exciting, but as we always do, uh, we're we're going to start with some tech news. But before we even do that, uh, Michael, you have you and Marty have this little thing called Unmute Presents. So. Um, and it's been a little while since you guys have talked about it. So why don't you kind of refresh people on what that is and what topics you guys have been talking about? Sure. So that little thing called unmute presents keeps growing. It's like a kid. And thank you for the reminder, because as I realized, I need to get the episode that goes out tomorrow edited, uh, putting it off to the last minute, just a little bit. Anyways. So unmute presents is live on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can get details about that by going to acb.community. We're also typically streamed on ACB media five. If you'd rather just listen in, but we answer your tech questions. And hopefully we're able to provide you with a solution or a resource to help come to a solution so those tech issues don't have to stand in your way anymore. On Thursdays, we publish content more in depth about a topic, and those topics typically come from questions we've been asked, and we're starting to produce some more regular content on Thursdays. So for example, the last Thursday of the month, you're going to get a security update, and the second Thursday of the month, you'll hear more about A-Lady and what's going on in that uh, arena. And then on Sundays, we teach you some I want to teach you how to do something, get a task done with your technology in five minutes or less. And yeah, I've noticed they're starting to creep out to about 10 minutes. But the point is, keep them slow, keep, or keep, keep them quick, uh, go through it and don't don't slow down and teach people how to use their screen reader, but teach you how to get the job done with the technology you're using. So thank you for asking, Michael. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And, you know, Throughout all of the IACast network, you guys can hear Unmute Presents on our Live 365 um, uh, radio station. So uh, keep tuned in to that. And we have more on that later on in the show. Uh, really exciting news. So I'm excited to talk about that. Um, but we have some some interesting tech news. And uh, Michael, you found a few things that were interesting today. Do you want to kind of... Talk about those. Yeah, so I can just give a quick overview because I haven't really done much digging into it. Uh, But the news articles that I found that we can talk about is the fact that Google launched Android 14 public beta one today as of the time of recording. Note that on uh, through unrelated resources in this article, uh, it's been made apparent that there's not any immediate changes to talk back or improvements. At least that's what I've heard. I haven't tried it myself. Uh, There's also the 
additional uh, information uh, related to HBO deciding to drop HBO from their name for their streaming service and uh, come, I believe it's May 21st, will now be known as Max. So I'm not sure what my credit card is going to show. Is it going to just show that Max charged me? That's a weird charge. And so that should hopefully give more representation of what type of content HBO is providing, especially with acquisition of Discovery and the other channels that go along with that. Oh, um, Jason, Jason, do you watch HBO Max at all? A lot? I do not, actually. We pay so. for it and I don't watch it. My wife did, and we keep paying for it. So, well, I think what they're probably looking at doing is they don't want to call it HBO or Discovery. They just want to call it something right in the middle. And I think that's yeah. a good, good trade off. Um, it would be interesting if they called it Discovery Max, kind of just bringing those two properties together. But. I think they're just calling it Max. And, you know, I'm totally fine with that because that's kind of what the app icon is, is the word Max, and they just drop HBO off of it. So, yeah. Ah, I did not know that. So maybe maybe they knew that was coming ahead of time. Yeah, the, the word Max is very much imposed over the HBO on the icon from what I can remember. Um, I watch HBO Max a lot. Um, unfortunately, a lot of my shows are ending on there. Um, the last of us of course is not ending, but, um, his dark materials just ended and, you know, Westworld was not just ended, but removed. Uh, so, you know, um, some of the DC comic stuff has been up in the air. So I don't know. Uh, game of Thrones is still, you know, they're making shows and spinoffs of that. So I have a lot to watch, but I'm a huge fan of HBO. And as for the Android stuff, have you noticed that the last couple of versions of Android really haven't been big updates? It's just kind of been new new version number, a few minor things. But That's, that's funny. One of the headlines I just read was that the back button in Android will now match your wallpaper. And I'm like, yay. yay. <laughs> that's something I've always wanted. <laughs> I'm a visual person, and I don't know how much I care. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was just a headline. I did not read any details, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that Microsoft is also rumored to be changing the print screen key to open its snipping tool? Um, so it'll be the first change to the print screen key in like 30 years. Wow. I mean, and, you know, we have tabbed notepad and all those things. And, um, yeah. and, and I know people have mixed thoughts on that, but... I'm really excited about this Windows having uh, eventually or possibly having uh, uh, the phone link app work with iPhones. If people haven't heard about that, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, one thing we ought to do either here on the IACast feed or on, on Unmute, if you haven't heard about it, I've been raving about it everywhere that I love it, is the Windows Package Manager. Have you guys used that? No. So it's a you know little little lesson here on the IA cast folks. Um, there's an app you can get in the Microsoft Store called uh, Windows Package Manager. It installs a program that you use on your command line, and it's called Win W I N Get G E T. And you could type Win Get install, and you could type Zoom dot Zoom, or NVAccess dot NVDA, or um, any number of applications, and it doesn't pull them from the Microsoft Store. It goes out and gets them from the websites. Hmm. So, like, I can install Steam for playing video games 
or Discord just from Winget. That is clever. That's huh. nice. It is fantastic. It's almost like homebrew, but oh, for, yeah. Windows. for Windows. Yes. Nice. It's wonderful. Like I, I, I had to reset my computer recently. And I'm like, I'm not going like because you'd have to go to the Steam web page, find install Steam, do all. Uh-huh. Winget yep, install Steam. There. Mm-hmm. Valve.steam. It's fantastic. Ah. Oh. And I, I imagine there are all sorts of commands you can invoke after the winget command. Oh, for sure. Probably one up, of which, update. Right. I was going to say, one of which you could search for something. You're like, hmm, I wonder if winget has this thing. Yes. You could do a little search. Cool. And if there's, like, if you type winget install zoom, it'll tell you there's multiple packages with the word zoom. <sighs> and so you can see which one, you know, like, like I was saying, zoom.zoom installs the proper zoom chat i mean zoom meetings platform mm-hmm. um so it's really neat um i i want to do a demo showing this off so i'm I'm really excited about uh windows package manager i'm always looking for content on sundays just saying oh yeah we may have to do that so pretty excited so um one one other thing that has happened in the news that uh, I want to point out is Apple did come out with new versions of iOS, macOS, tvOS, even a new update for the studio display. Hmm. And it's like the 16.4 and uh, uh, I guess 13.3 for macOS. Um, I want to caution people when you install these, they are not the smoothest of installs. In fact, my studio display for a short time became a studio brick. Um, That's not good. It um, it didn't it doesn't even offer the ability to up re, retry the update. It just kind of happens occasion. It tries again occasionally while it's plugged into a computer. So it just and, and it's inaccessible. And all it said was go to app uh, support.apple.com slash uh, studio display slash restore or something like that. It was like, oh no, <laughs> that's that's disconcerting. <laughs> yes. So, um, that did happen on for me last Friday during the workday. So that was not fun. Um, no. so be aware when you're doing these updates that things, even though they're stable, things can go wrong. Um, I was using I'm using Xcode fourteen three. And there's a huge bug in that that makes it to where most libraries will not build uh, and your apps will not run or be distributable to the app store. So, you know, even though Apple and all these companies put out new software, it doesn't mean they're stable, guys. So um, fortunately, I was able to downgrade to 14.2. I just can't run my iPhone apps from like on my phone from that. So. Those are all things to keep in mind when you update the your software. You know, a lot of times we think it's just accessibility problems that we have, <laughs> but there's a lot of other things that can happen too. So just be aware that um, when you may think something may be an accessibility issue, it could be something else as well. Have you guys had any experiences where you update something and it just completely tanks or has issues? Nine years. I, I used to, but nine years, it's, it's been pretty smooth for me. 
Yeah, it's been pretty uh, smooth for me as well, but there have been there have been times when uh, I've been about to go live with a broadcast and something requires updating. I'm like, oh yeah, I have time. I know it's going to be quick. Oh, <laughs> well, there was one time in the past where, yeah, it was quick, but it broke a lot of things and I couldn't go live. <laughs> yeah. So I've learned, uh, let's not do updates just before going live. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Hmm. So, you know, it's like I was saying, it's just be careful, be cognizant of what you're doing and, you know, don't do things whenever you're right in the middle of a work day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Fortunately, it wasn't a big deal. And I I unplugged and plugged back in several times and it did the update one other time it failed and then then the, the next time it succeeded, which was great. And all of a sudden I had a working glowing display again. So that was very nice. Xcode is still broken. And interestingly, um, there is not an Xcode 14.4 beta to support the new versions of iOS and macOS that are in, in beta right now, guys. And I find that very interesting. It sounds like something really got broke, broken on Xcode that they're having to really fix. Or is there something big coming in June that? Well, it's it's interesting because you'd think if if they have the second beta now of iOS um, sixteen point five, there would be an Xcode version now to go along with it, and there's not. Ah. Because technically, um, Xcode sixteen, I mean a uh, thirteen, no fourteen dot three. There's so many different version numbers. 14.3 cannot test the beta software. You cannot hook up the betas of the phone to Xcode and test them. So that's the first time I've ever seen that happen. So I think, like you said, either something big's coming or they broke something really good. Or both. <laughs> or <laughs> we will <both>. see. <laughs> this is very true. It could be both. So just be very, you know, if you may decide to update, be very cognizant, read and all those kind of things. So, and, you know, talking about iOS and and all those things is kind of a good segue to talk about our big uh, announcement for iAccessibility and everything we're working on. We just had two apps approved today at the time of the recording, the day of the recording, at least. Um, our iAccessibility app is back in the App Store on iOS. So you can, it's now working much better. It doesn't crash like it used to. Um, has a much, works much faster, very speedy. So check it out. Download the iAccessibility app and check out the live button. Earlier, we talked about our radio station with Live 365 that plays all of our content between iacast and unmute presents and if you tap on our live button uh, you will be able to hear that in real time through the app it even has player controls and all those things uh, so you can enjoy that you can even get the unmute content unmute presents content in the app as podcast form and the neat thing is you can if you don't like michael or marty talking you can speed them up to 3x so you can (laughs) make them talk really really fast And, and and we're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so, really a way to get through a lot of content. 
I agree. It's the only way I keep up with my content. I don't know about you, Jason, but I have to have my content sped up. I even edit sped up content. Really? Wow. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I think, uh, I use kind of the, there's a mechanism that can do what Overcast does, and it does, it sounds completely natural at 3X, and so that makes it kind of nice. Um, Apple has a built-in algorithm to do really good spoken content very fast. So um, the app works great. We'll be working on push notifications. And there was a little feature that is no longer working that will be coming back eventually where you can start and stop our live feed from a Siri shortcut. Oh, nice. Um, there's some kind of a bug that's making that not work, but that will be working in a future uh, bug fix version. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I also re uh, I also updated the Pocket Braille app, which is the first Braille reference app in the App Store. Um, the original version came out probably 2012, 2013. And my watch wanted to talk. Um, and, uh, and I don't know how I get my watch to talk because I don't have voiceover on, so it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> it just happens randomly. It's so weird. Um, so Pocket Braille was the, the original Braille reference app in the store. It has had several versions, and it's been out uh, for a long time. We just updated it um, to support newer iOS versions, newer interfaces, and what's really neat, and people may not know this, it has an Apple Watch component. So you could look up every contraction for UEB on the Apple Ooh. Watch. Nice. Ooh, that is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had uh, t- we had a VI teacher actually go uh, TVI go through and uh, create a Word document with all the contractions which have been gone through and and meticulously explored and they're all in the app in on the paid version in the regular app and the watch app so you get them in both places that's great i really enjoyed looking around it this morning because i had seen it originally on the amazon devices am i correct in remembering that on the amazon on amazon i don't remember if i put it on the amazon app store or not Ah, uh, okay. So just scratch that entire thing. Uh, because I remember there was some kind of Braille. I, I thought it was pocket Braille that, that I could ask what a certain letter or contraction was and it would come back. With it is on the Echo, isn't it, Michael? I thought you and Lauren were working on a skill on the Echo, maybe. I made a Braille quiz skill. Oh, and... that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So it's um, not exactly pocket Braille. but Right. It's a little different. Um, this one has the alphabet numbers, punctuation, and contractions for UEB. Yes, and that's what I was looking at this morning because when you posted the link, I went and grabbed it. And I love how everything's right there accessible through the different mm-hmm. tabs on the bottom. But you have this nice little about section, which explains a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Very nice little his- history uh, button within the about section that explains a lot and that was written a long time ago so i hope that it's still valid and still good information oh okay well it it was more than just a little you know few phrases it was very uh nice to just sit there and listen to it uh, listen to my phone tell me exactly uh the the chronology so to speak of of uh louis braille and then um coming into the 
uh, popularity, but then dropping again slightly because of the, um, I'm trying to remember exactly everything I heard, but uh, different, um, yeah, let me just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that it, it's useful, and, and that's the whole reason it's there, is to be a useful resource, so. Right. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is, unless something's changed or there's more contractions or things that I don't know about that have been added since, you know, 2018, 2019, it's still really current. And that's what I think is really great about the app. It doesn't have to be updated. The content doesn't have to be updated that much. Right. So, um, and that is also on Android. The neat thing is, it's on iOS, Android, and macOS for Apple Silicon Macs. So both of those apps will run on the Mac as well. So that's pretty exciting. That is cool because yeah. that means you can listen to the live stream on the Mac. And if you use my favorite tool, which is not my picks, I'm going to shout it out anyways right now, called SoundSource on the Mac, you can adjust the volume of the app independently with a couple of keystrokes. So you can always have the live stream playing in the background and listen to us. Yes, <clears throat> and we do have a good schedule every day. Yeah. Yep. I was listening cool. yesterday for a couple hours. Very nice. So, you know, going you know, going back to Braille, I guess, hmm. to the topic of today, um, you know, we've heard a lot of excitement about this new device that uh, was announced at CSUN. And that is the Optima from Orbit. And I'm, I'm personally very excited about this device, especially learning a few things about it. One being that it's going to be built uh, with the modularity from framework computers. And they, they make laptops that are completely modular. I think this is the best news we could hear all year long for assistive technology. What, what do you guys think? At first, when I heard it, or heard about it, I was feeling like, okay, is this going to be another Braille device that is the size of a laptop, and now am I going to have the ability to leave the Braille home if I need to? Or uh, do I want to be taking Braille around with me all the time? And then as I read further, uh, I learned about the modularity. So I'm thinking there is a lot that is going to be very advantageous having a machine where you can switch things around or opt to leave the Braille home. I'm, I'm guessing you can. I don't know fully about how the Braille aspect works other than that it's 40 cell and you can opt for the um, technology that the Orbit readers use or you can opt for the piezo electronic cells that are i hope i got that term right mm -hmm. in, in the typical refreshable braille displays that we've all come to know where they're they're pretty silent right so i would love to see one but i think it it just has the opportunity to put braille into more hands and have it with someone on the go um i agree are, 
Yeah. Go ahead. I was just, what are what are some uh, thoughts that you, that you are having, both of you? So, I first heard about Framework on Daily Tech News Show a few months ago. It might have been a year back, but it, it's been a little while. And I didn't think anything of it until I heard about this announcement. And I said, what was that? What was that computer that I heard about Tom talking about that you could just build to your specifications? And often when I'm thinking about this from a VR counselor's perspective, Often when a client has equipment purchased from them, their situation changes. Maybe not right away, maybe not six months down the year, down the road or a year down the road, but that 18 months, 24 month mark, maybe they've graduated school or maybe they've moved on to a new position in either their current workplace or they moved somewhere else. And, you know, maybe your previous situation required you to have an HDMI port and now having multiple USB-C ports is more important to you. Instead of having to go out and purchase new equipment, the same equipment the client is already using comfortable with and already has in their hands can be upgraded or modified and you can just swap out the ports and Maybe as a VR counselor, you know that because your client's needs will likely change in the not too distant future, you purchase them the device with all of the accessories so they can swap out and fit the best scenario while you're in that situation. So I'm super excited. I, I want to see what it's like. Um, I, I full transparency at AT guys, we do sell orbit products. I have no additional information on this product. I haven't actually gotten to see it. Um, I, I, I don't know future sales plans. So I don't know if we'll be selling it. I suspect we will, but I'm not certain, but the, the whole concept of it though is really exciting because what. Will this allow a blind user to do in the future because it's running full-fledged Windows and it has an attached Braille display? Right. Now, I guess my question is, I mean, this is the whole topic of the show. We've had the, we've had the PacMate. We've had the L Braille. We've had all these things in the past. Mm -hmm. But do you think that this one is going to make a splash or do you think it's going to be like the others? And do we really want or need something like this. I mean, you know, we have all these tech devices, like we have VR and yes, there's the niche that buys VR devices. We have all these different things that are very nice to have, but they don't really make a big splash. Like, you know, everybody buys a note taker. Um, but no, you know, but when it comes to like the PacMate or the Elbrail or uh, things like that, they just don't measure up to the same quality or, quantity as the note taker. So do you guys think that this will, you know, be the one braille device to rule them all or or not at all? Do we know if for example the processor can be modular? I yes. believe so. Yes. Yes. Now see so that, you can start with an i5, go up to an i7 and they say they're going to support i9s. Okay, now see, that to me just answers the question because it's not static. You're not stuck with a device that quickly becomes obsolete because it just doesn't have an upgrade path like that. And with this, you have the ability to keep up with everybody else. 
maybe you can, I just think it's kind of amazing that you can keep the same laptop, just switch things out like that. That is really cool. That's the whole concept of the framework environment. So it makes sense that they've partnered with framework to, to make this happen because it's, it's a way to keep electronics out of the landfill that, that become out of date and keep your technology upgradable and be able to swap it out. Maybe, maybe this week you need your, your uh, computer to be more powerful than you do next week when you're just consuming media. Mm-hmm. I guess my, my big question is though, when we talk about this modularity, let's call the main system with the keyboard and all that, the Optima core, right? The, the main part with, I guess the motherboard, the keyboard and any other main parts, and then everything else is modular. Right. But what happens when we get like, I don't know, DDR6 memory or the next generation of the processor lines and framework has to come out with new parts with faster bus speeds for the modular components. How will that affect, you know, like maybe you could go from an I5 to an I7 to an I9 of the current generation, but will you be able to go to the next generation of those parts, the faster, you know, versions of those that are come out in 2024, 2025, 2026. Um, is that going to be an issue? And I think that's one, one question we're going to have to ask closer to time um, is the upgradability to newer specs. You'll, you, you could always upgrade to from I5 to I7, but is it going to be limited to that one right. year's group of parts? Hopefully, the display itself is modular. So if you do have to upgrade the main device, you don't have to purchase a new display. So it makes it a lot more affordable upgrading path. So those who don't know, this is not available right now. It is not going to be available until January of 2024. So things could change. And and in fact, things are changing because originally they had no cursor routing. No, originally they had no thumb keys. And it was made apparent after they got feedback from listeners that hey, we want thumb keys. So they're taking that feedback and going back and 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 designing it the way that, that the consumer actually wants it. So hopefully they produce that one product that gives us what we've all wanted in a, in a modern day Braille display and can make it affordable. That's what I'm curious about is what are we looking at for a price point? I've not looked at framework computers. I don't know what the price of a framework is. Hopefully it'll be slightly cheaper than that because you're going to have to tack on the price for the Braille display. So you're mm-hmm. going to be paying more than the base framework anyways so yeah we'll we'll see i'm i'm real intrigued by it. i'm Me i'm too. guessing it's going to be the price of a note taker at least and there will be that difference between the orbit braille technology and the traditional so that might factor into people's um spending as well so would you guys replace your Windows laptops or your Mac laptops with one of these? Not replace it. I might get one to go alongside, but I'm not going to replace it because you don't have Hazel on Windows yet. Right. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to replace it, but I would definitely love to have one. I, I have an older Windows machine, and I think this would be, at least since Mac is my primary OS of choice, the the um the braille the optima would serve as a nice windows replacement 
Maybe we're not the best audience to ask that question to. I think most of us are all Mac users. <laughs> but well, it, it, it's a, so I'm using Windows on a regular basis on my Mac with Parallels. And if I could eliminate that, I, I will tell you, uh, Parallels has been the best experience with Windows that I've ever had on the Mac in the entire time that I've used it. But if I could have a dedicated Windows machine, I think this would be an amazing one because A, if I had a display hooked up to this Mac mini, I could just swap it out over to this other other device. And B, I'm like, I'm envisioning it. Hopefully it has some decent Bluetooth on it because, or, you know, it'll have the USB-A port. So I just swap the dongle and I'm still using the same keyboard and I just have it sitting on the back part of my desk. So I would definitely be interested in one of these. Um, although maybe it wouldn't be in the back of my desk because if I want the Braille, huh, I'll have to rethink that actually. Hmm. And I guess that's the big question, especially for Mac users, you know, how can we integrate this into our workflow? Can it be used as a terminal mode for our iPhones or Braille or uh, Macs? You know, it's, it's very interesting because if you can, then you'd have like the best of all three worlds, iPhone, yeah. Mac, and Windows, all with your devices. And, you know, your Braille display would be a Windows computer. Yeah, that um, would be actually kind of cool. Uh-huh. So I guess kind of the short answer is, yes, there is a place for this device where, but my, my thought is, what, is, what makes this stand out compared to the L Braille beyond just the modularity? I know this is a hard question, but beyond just being modular, what stands out about this to you guys compared to those other devices? I'm thinking so far the fact that it is not tied to any specific screen reader, as far as I understand it. And, oh, goodness, what else? Uh, it is integrated. So are the other devices, but it's, it's, uh, it's mainstream attention, I think, because it's using mainstream hardware that, yes, you set aside from the modularity, but really that, that is a big thing too, because yeah. You can't upgrade the L Braille once you get it. I was looking at the Mantis Q40 because I'm really interested in that device. Maybe not looking at that anymore, especially if we can get information about pricing, because honestly, I'd rather a full-fledged Windows computer in my Braille display. Like that, that That's just intense to think about. Yeah, you know, I would love to see how big this is. I wish I was at CSUN because I'd have loved to see how big this device is compared to the... Um, Mantis Q40. Um, mm. I've, I've seen a Mantis here, uh, you know, and it has a full keyboard. Um, so I'd be curious to see what the difference is in the sizes. Yeah, that would be interesting. I have a Mantis here and I, I use it. Uh, just more recently started using it with my Mac. Uh, I used to use it independently to write things up. And it is really, really nice to have a Braille display right there while you're computing, doing all sorts of things. Uh, the other day I went to spell something and I'm thinking, why am I asking the speech to spell it when it's right in front of me in Braille? <laughs> it's like obvious that I'm still kind of new at this because I'm I'm used to using it in other ways. So, um, and that part of the reason why, if anyone cares, is because I just didn't have the workspace to accommodate the, the laptop and a Braille display. And more recently, I got one of those add-on keyboard trays. So I was able to um, enhance my workspace. It was pretty cool. Yeah. 
You know, and it's very interesting because I think that's kind of the big thing. Um, I, I've always looked for a good Braille display. And see, I would love one personally that I could just put near my Mac that is just a line of Braille. Like, mm. or, you know, two or three lines of Braille. That would be nice too. But no buttons, maybe thumb keys, but no routing buttons, no nothing. I don't want to edit, don't want to do anything with it. Just want to use it for reading. Uh, and I feel like even like the, uh, what, you know, some of the smaller devices that I've seen are way too big to almost be like, if you wanted a, well, pocket sized Braille device, pocket Braille, uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're all a little too big for that. And so I feel like we just don't have a good, you know, size for that. But I think what what's really happening is we're trying to get one size fits all with these uh, computers and Braille. I mean, anything to get people to use Braille is the way I look at it. But uh, I think that the options for Braille is very limited. And I think that this is just going to add that one more king size uh, candy bar to the, the assortment of candies, you know, just was Easter. So, you know, candies, <laughs> um, it it just adds one more mix to the mix mm-hmm. of of devices, and I think that's a good thing. Choice is always a good thing uh, when people are looking at devices to purchase, and I think that this is going to be a good device. You know, I think that other devices were too other the L Braille and the uh, PacMate were too static as to what they did. So I think that this is going to be. A very dynamic, very modular, very innovative device that uh, I think people are going to really enjoy uh, as long as the longevity and the, the pricing can keep up with it. Yes, and we hope for good support too, because I think that's some of the problem too with with some other devices where you know people get them, they're all excited, but when they run into problems. Mm, it's it's pretty slow going to to get resolution right you know i think it's just time's going to tell where we go from here and we'll we'll just have to really w- watch it but i think the the interesting thing is is that we've decided i think from this podcast we just, we've decided this is going to be a useful thing and we're going to be able to really um, benefit from it, but it's just going to have to be one of those wait and see things with any of these big projects like this. I just worry that people invest a lot of money. Uh, I still don't know anything. And if you guys do, I'd be very curious. We don't know anything about what's going to happen with envision with their glasses because the Google glass was discontinued. Right. So what does that look like for the future of Google, of the Envision users? I know they're going to probably have to look for more hardware choices, but, you know, those are always big things to, to worry about and to think about, you know, what happens if the manufacturer stops making the item. So, yeah, it's, I think it's, as those of us who are enthusiast, you know, tech enthusiasts, we sometimes pay the price for being on that leading edge. <laughs> it's like, right. oh no, this didn't work out too well, but it sounded really cool. But uh, I have high hopes for this. Um, I think, especially if the 
display can be removed uh, and used in other ways and then or or left in and used in all sorts of ways i just think that gives it a whole range of motion that maybe uh wasn't available before exactly in, in previous kinds of iterations like this exactly i agree do you have any thoughts on this michael I'm just intrigued to see where, where it goes. I, I think technology, I think accessibility being in the mainstream form, like in the mainstream of technology is just going to result in positive changes for all of us. And I think we just all need to have a voice during that change to ensure that everyone is, is accounted for when accessibility is brought up. I agree. And, you know, I think we've brought it up on the show before, but it feels like uh, accessibility in mainstream is still very prevalent. But I feel like, you know, with Blind Shell and other devices, we're starting to see those specialist companies take a big uh, seat back at the table and say, look, you've gone the mainstream route. It works for some, but it doesn't work for everybody. So let's combine mainstream and AT and see what we can do with it. Wouldn't you guys agree? Definitely. Yes. And I think that's where we're seeing the most power out of all this is when we combine all of these things together, you know, like Android on the blind shell or um, framework with the Optima or things like that. That's where the intersection of mainstream and specialist or assistive technology is really going to change the industry. You know, and, and we even see that with be my eyes and open AI. I'm, I'm still very uh-huh. excited to try that out. Me too. Me too. You know, <laughs> Me too. I, open, uh, be my eyes. If you're listening, my email is. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I want to throw this out at you guys because there's something I don't think anybody on any podcast has really thought about with that technology, and it might blow your mind. So Taylor and I go bowling every Sunday. And what is the most inaccessible of thing about bowling? Entering your name on that stupid machine. Entering your name, but also viewing your scores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because it's all visual? It's all visual, but it's a huge table. Ah. All right. It's a huge table that shows yep. frame by frame what the score is in the total at the end. It's like a big spreadsheet. Now, how can OCR, typical OCR technology, even come close to interpreting that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get a couple of pictures of that table, tell Be My Eyes to give me the score for Taylor and break it down frame by frame, and it will give you each frame how much she scored and what her total score is. So, and, and it's very, like, with the, what we were talking about with bowling, you know, you could ask be my eyes to look at and say, like you're saying, Michael, uh, what is Taylor's score in the eighth frame? And, right. you know, th- that's powerful stuff. And, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying with the intersection of mainstream and AT really coming together, because I never thought about that until last weekend when I thought, you know, I bet be my eyes would be fantastic for this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not my pick, but I will say SGPT gives you a glimpse into how things 
can be processed with GPT and then handed back to your phone. And all of that data can be can be presented to the user in an easy to consume audible way. And that's just with version 3.5 of GPT. So I, uh, yeah, uh, again, be my eyes. My email address is. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you used SGPT, Michael? I, it is a everyday tool that I'm using. Yes. I, I need to use it. I need to try Yes, it you out. do. Yes, you do. Me too. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, but I think well, you're going to try out my pick first. Just saying. Yes. Well, with all that being said, let's move on to that. So, Michael, do you want to go and give us your pick and where people can find you online? Certainly appreciate that. My pick is a, a, a wonderful tool called MacGPT. And I don't know if you've played with this yet, Michael. You do have to create an API key. And I followed the directions that Federico provided in the SGPT article. Yeah, that's right. I actually read an, an entire article before going and doing something. And uh, everything's working well. The reason I like SGPT is for the inline ability. So I can be in drafts or an email. And uh, by default, it uses is the plus, but I switch mine to slash because that works with my workflow better. So I type slash GPT space and then the prompt. For example, write me a professional but casual email that lets this person know that we appreciate their feedback. However, unfortunately, the workflow that we have for our chapter meeting is going to be this moving forward. Hit shift enter. Take your hands off the keyboard, wait about 30 seconds, and you have an email. You just delete the prompt off the top, and there's your email, and you do it right there inside the mail. You again, that SG, again that's with the Mac GPT. Just Google that real quick, and uh, you can get it. You can find me at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N, on any of your favorite social networks. Check out Unmute Present and Technically Working, where, wherever you're getting this podcast app. And you will find me after this episode downloading Mac GPT. All righty then. <laughs> um, uh, Jason, what is your pick and where can people find you online? Sure. My pick for today is something that helps me a lot in the financial aspect of my productivity. And it is called Debit and Credit. It's a Mac and iOS app. Helps with all finances, uh, keeping track of your expenses uh, does all sorts of other things that I haven't played with yet because I'm still pretty new with it. But I've actually replaced the uh, Checkbook Pro app that I was using. Uh, I loved it, but it was Mac only. This is Mac and iOS. And if you perform an operation, uh, it syncs across to your other devices. So it's very easy for me to jot down an expense while I'm out. I don't have to worry about trying to remember it when I get back home. And you can find out more about the app from debitandcredit.app. You can find me, Jcast, on Facebook, uh, Jcast432 on Mastodon, and Jcast is spelled J-C-A-S-T. Uh, and I'm also Jcast on Twitter. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I have to throw this in here because um, he came and crashed the, the party, the, the podcast party. We have Jeff Bishop with us. And uh, hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. It's I know. I you. figure, you know, I figure I should at least come late to the party, right? Right. As, <laughs> so, as long as there's still food left over. I'm right. With it. Exactly. There's, there's food left over, but none for you, Jeff. I see. You just no. wanted to come and share your pig. Come <laughs> for the fun part of the show. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, I was kind of working, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, since we're here, things. since you are here, 
Um, do you have a pick for us and where people can find you online? I do actually. And, you know, I, I am a big proponent of supporting the developers that do the right thing, right? We know that that accessibility is really important and inclusion and and making sure that apps are accessible and all of that. And one of the things that's also really important is health and doing things for our health. Well, there's a new version of Gentler Streak that's out. Do you know about this uh, app, guys? No, I do not. Yeah, well, it is a it is a uh, app that really simplifies tracking of health data, and it presents it to you in a way that's really more human understandable. Hmm. And they have gone through and made both their watch and iOS apps fully accessible, both for low vision and for voiceover users. So much so that I went ahead and bought a lifetime subscription to the app. Wow! So wow. yeah, it's good. I I really really like it. I, I'm just really starting to use it and it's it, it's got a little bit of a learning curve to it although it kind of guides you through the process it sort of you know will start examining your your health data and it asks you about your specific goals and then it gives you prompts and and guidance on what it thinks you might want to do and it's really it, I, I think it's all said in the name it's it's a gentler approach to you know exercise and health so if you haven't taken a look at it, uh, give it a try. I think you'll be really impressed, especially if you're using uh, VoiceOver or uh, a lot of the low vision features on your iPhone. So that's my pick. You can find me on all kinds of places, Twitter and Mastodon and all kinds of things. Um, but best way and probably the quickest way to reach me is via email, jeff at jeffbishop.com. That's probably the easiest and quickest way and probably the one that you'll remember most quickly. So Jeff at jeffbishop.com. Thanks guys. Thanks Jeff. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you tomorrow morning about a certain TV show that we talked about on last IA cast. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, 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 I know. I can't wait. I, I will be up tonight. I have a meeting until 1030 tonight and then I will stay up for half an hour and I'll stay up to midnight watching episode nine. Yes. Episode nine. It'll be great. Yes, it, it kills my productivity early in the morning when I get to work. But that's all right. It's worth it. <laughs> it is. It very much is. So, uh, and and Jeff, stick around because I think you're going to enjoy my pick for this episode. And that is, uh, there's a little story to it. I We've started with the Eero 6 routers, and I love Eero. Great routers. Um, but because of our apartment and the saturation of Wi-Fi and our whatever they build these walls out of, we don't get full saturation of internet throughout our apartment. And so we, we thought, well, let's try something else. So we tried the Google Nest Wi-Fi Pro. Uh, don't do that. Don't do it. Um, it had worse reception uh, in the apartment. And so I said, let's go back to what we know mostly works. And so we got the Euro 6E Pro routers. We got a two-pack. It says it's supposed to cover up to 4,500 square feet, which sort of, uh, I guess if you have line of sight and, you know, not as much Wi-Fi saturation, it will do much better. But these do a much better job. They're bigger than the other Eros I've seen. They look just like the smaller Eros. Um, but, you know, you get that Eero uh, Plus subscription that is fantastic, 1Password and encrypt.me and all these other things that come with Eero and you get more control over your network than you do with the Google routers. 
just always a huge fan of the Eros and the Pros. Both the base station and the extender uh, have Ethernet ports, unlike the regular Eero sixes. So, and come to find out, the Eero six only had 500 megabits per second that they guaranteed. These go up to a gigabit of Wi-Fi. So, ah. you know, the one thing I like about Eero, there, uh, you know, I look at the ubiquity stuff. It's hard to find in stores. It's hard to get your hands on. So. Eero, you know, it. they got them there the same day from Amazon. Uh, it works with the A-Lady. Uh, just a very good experience. I've, I've always had good luck with them. So huge fan. Check out Eero Pro 6E routers. They are the more expensive ones, but they will do a really good job at um, giving you the internet you need. And you can hardwire into them and uh, just fantastic routers. Did you get the 25% off uh, coupon by trading in any Amazon device? I did not, but there was a discount that they were doing already on them. So I did get somewhat of a discount. Okay. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you could turn in an old first generation Echo Dot wow. and get 25% off a three pack of the six E's. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's really neat. So if you're out there listening, uh, that's a very good deal that Jeff just mentioned. So good stuff. I, I'm such a fan of Eero devices and they have, you know, that uh, dynamic DNS where you can you know, set up your home network with a, uh, with DNS that won't change. And you can do all those things with that plus subscription um, that yes. you pay yearly for. And it's just fantastic. Uh, great, great deal. So, as for people can find me online, I'm Mike Doeys on most of the socials, uh, Mastodon, Mike Doeys at techopolis.online, uh, or dot .social, sorry, that's the other thing's my website. And you can find me on Twitter, Mike Doeys, and I'm on Facebook as Michael Doeys all over the place. So, you know, it's easy to find me, and you can email me at mikedoeys at iCloud.com. And check out my other show, Programmatic. I record... Uh, usually Friday nights, and it's out the the next week. Uh, we just did episode five, and we'll record episode six this Friday. So very excited about that, and uh, a lot of good things. So we we talked about our apps, you know, eye accessibility and pocket braille all out. So really a lot of news this week, and it's been a great show. So I want to thank Michael, Jason, and uh, our party crasher uh, Jeff. for coming this time it's been great having all of you guys and we'll see you all in about two weeks so thanks everyone bye guys thank you thank you for tuning in to the ia cast we hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative if you have any feedback or comments we'd love to hear from you please send us an email at feedback at iacast.net you can also follow us on twitter at iacast network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the iacast network iacast.net thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon